I feel grumpy at the moment. Does anybody ever feel grumpy? Now, most Christians think that grumpiness is ungodliness. But actually, grumpiness can be really good. Nudge the person next to you. Come on, husbands, nudge your wife back and say, I told you my grumpy was godly. My grumpy was godly. See, we've got this thing, haven't we, in the British church where we think nice equals Christian. And we forget that Jesus turned over the tables in the temple, got angry, got out of character. I mean, surely one of the disciples was a bit British and was kind of sitting there thinking, ooh, calm down. You know what I mean? Have a chill pill. You know, there's probably someone on the corner going, you know, extreme emotion, anger, frustration, grumpy, can't be godly. Surely just that kind of you know, robotic niceness is what a Christian should be. Oh no, God gets angry, frustrated, grumpy. He loves things, but I mean, in order to make his love valid, he also hates things as well. You know, as a Christian, you should have some hates. If you haven't got any hates, you're living a bland pseudo-spirituality. You should have some hates. Just hope it's not me. But you should have some hates, not people, but things or situations that frustrate you. A couple of things making me grumpy right now, and they're good grumpy souls. I want people to be saved. I, I, I know in the last six weeks, about 15 people have been saved in our services and youth clubs. Isn't that great? I want it to be 50, but isn't it great? Andrew was over in America, and I don't know how big the prison is, but he said he led a whole prison to the Lord. Isn't that great? I don't know whether we're talking 30 or 300, but either way, party in heaven. I'm hungry for people to be saved. I don't want to be found playing church and wondering about my comfort in it all when we're here to change lives. We've kind of got it all. We can go home now, really. Heaven, I mean. Why are we still here? The harvest. The harvest. So I'm just, oh God, more people saved. More people saved. Deal with my evangelistic wimpiness. Anybody want to pray that prayer with me? God, come on, say it. Deal with my evangelistic wimpiness, Lord. I want to, I want to come home. I might, it, 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 oh, I can't remember what psalm it is, but you go out in tears, carrying seed to sow, but come back with sheaves. And laying before God a harvest of people that have been saved because of our lives. And let's not, at, that, at this moment, hide in the corporate, saved because of my life. Because I was a city on a hill. Somehow, God used me. Someone else making me grumpy. I'm not very good at playing church. Now, those of you that know me would kind of go, yeah. I, just, I get so bored. It's all right to be a bored Christian, you know. The only thing, listen, our problem is not that we get angry. It's that we don't get angry enough. We're so busy calming ourselves down that we miss God. Uh, no, I've, I've got to control everything and be a nice Christian. No, no, no. Wesley actually used to stop the singing in his services and say, stop, you'll sing the conviction away. In, in other, when God is doing something in our hearts that makes us go, oh, I want more. 
We can sing it away with niceness. Go there, I feel better. Everything's all right. I've soothed away a conviction from heaven. A conviction is this. It's a convincing that something more could or should be happening in my life. And I have a longing that church is not nice form, playing the game, but that God is among us. So I'm a bit grumpy. Sorry. Have you got my first scripture? I think Hannah's behind there. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants. What, what's it like for your soul to pant? What does it feel like? Well, if you're like me, you get grumpy. You go, oh, this isn't it. There's got to be more to life than this. It's got to be more than service, 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 preach, preach, preach. There's got to be more. I can remember days when God swept through our place and you couldn't get out of the meetings. I remember days when the teachers couldn't teach in the schools because the presence of God was moving. I remember days when I walk in on my office, we were trying to have a 15-minute staff meeting. Two hours later, we were still lying on the floor because the presence of God had come and breathed across the office. Uh, I was talking to someone just the other week who was saying in one of the services that we were having, they arrived late and they were outside trying to walk in. And the only way they could walk in was like this. The presence of God was so thick. I don't want to play church. I want God to be among us. As the deer pants. Verse 2, my soul thirsts. That's right where I'm at right now. Not for more church. I don't really care that much even about buildings. My soul thirsts for the living God. Can, do you get this, this thing? Not, not when can I go to church, but when can I go meet God? I don't care whether it's corporately or personally. When can I meet God? My tears have been my food day and night while people say to me all day long, where is your God? Give us the next one, Hannah. Thank you. Psalm 63, you God are my God. Earnestly. Everybody say earnestly. Anybody called Ernest here? Come on, men, middle name somewhere. There's always a few middle names. Is there any middle name, anybody called Gaylord in their middle name, anything like that? No, 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 no. You, God, and my God. Middle names are great, aren't they? I discovered that one of my tutors at Bible school, his middle name was Rupert. Any Rupert's in the room? It's a great, we never let him. He, he, he chose his other name as his called. name. Rupert's a great name. Anyway, stop putting me off. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. Look at this line. My whole being. I'll tell you what that feels like. Irritability. Frustration. Longing. Feeling that you're going through the motions. Christian, but not ablaze. Loved, but not walking in the fullness of his love. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Now look at this. Here's his problem. I've seen you before in the sanctuary. Listen, once you have tasted of more than just nice church, you cannot settle for anything more, ever, anything less ever again. Once you've had God walk in the room and you know the worship leader can't play and the preacher can't preach and we don't even know what the caretaker's doing as he flips on and off the lights to get us out of the room. God's in the room and he's walking among us and something in our hearts goes, this is what it's all about. It's about him. I've seen you in the sanctuary. I have beheld your power and your glory, David, saying, And look at this amazing statement. Your love is better than life. 
You are better than life itself. I meet Christians all the time that kind of, you know, want to live as long as possible. But anybody that's been near God goes, oh, to live is Christ, to die is gain. You you kind of get that out of this world experience where you kind of go, no, no, no. Maybe you've not tasted of the of the kingdom to come and the heaven to come and the and the beauties of the of what we're going into next. But boy, oh boy, it far outweighs the school run. Tell me about the school run at the moment. A minute. It far outweighs the frustrations and the debts and the and the trials and the suffering and the difficulties of what we're going through. I have a longing for His presence. Anybody else? Just oh God, your love. Better than life. Therefore, my lips will glorify you. I'm grumpy. It's more than song singing. It's more than preaching. But for God to be among us. Now, here's what I know. I've I've been doing this long enough to know this. Leadership has something to do with it, as always. But we all have something we can carry that changes the atmosphere of the room in which we sit. Every one of us carries the ability to hunger for God. And to love. I know that we are most electric when we're all thirsting for God. Something, God, it's got to be more than just, oh, that was nice. That was uplifting. Got to be something more, right? Where we know and we meet God. Why? Well, just work with me through this thought for a minute. In the Bible, there's the omnipresence of God. God is everywhere. Psalm 139, if I, if wherever I go, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? We know that ultimately we can't get away from the presence of God. But in the Bible, there's also the manifest presence of God where he turns up in a place. Adam and Eve were sent out from the presence of God. Cain was sent away from the presence of God. Jonah ran from the presence of God. So even though God is everywhere, his power is somewhere intentional where he's actually moving. What's that like? Let, let, let me give you an example. Let's, let's, let's say that somewhere in this group here is a multimillionaire. You don't have to point yourself out. We'll, we'll, we'll discover you. We'll discover you. You're the only one not wearing Primani jeans. <laughs> now, there might be a multimillionaire present in this room. But when the multimillionaire stands up and starts giving out 5,000 pound checks, what are they doing? Manifesting. In other words, they're there, but okay, we... we, we We might not even know who it is. They're there. They're present. But listen, manifest presence is when the millionaire starts handing out. God is always there. He's always everywhere. We know that. But his manifest presence is when he comes and begins to be who he is. His name begins to be outworked among us. And we don't want just the omnipresence of God. We want the manifest presence of God. God standing up and moving among us and healing lives and changing hearts and setting us ablaze. I don't know about you, without him I'm broken. And his, his omnipresence doesn't change me. Because he's omnipresent with everyone in the world. It's his manifest presence that changes me. So we have to do something about getting our hearts before God. Why? Here's the great why. Psalm 23. Somewhere in there, Hannah, is Psalm 20. Oh, brilliant. Look at that. She's on it. You see, when God is moving among us in a manifest way. Who wants manifest God in their Monday to Saturday life, right? Not just, well, he's always there. Yes, of course he is. I want God doing stuff. This is what you get when God's manifest presence is among us. 
The Lord is my shepherd. In other words, I know I'm, it's not I'm overseen by someone far off. You know, there's a millionaire in the congregation somewhere. No, the Lord is my shepherd. He's my millionaire. He's my provider. I shall lack nothing. God is actually guiding me. If you've stopped hearing the still small voice of God behind you going, walk this way, walk that way. Don't do that. Do this. When you lose that sense, you've stepped from manifest presence to just omnipresence. When your heart stops burning, when the Bible is read, you've stepped from, um, from manifest presence to omnipresence. It's just, well, I know he's there, but, but where? But we know when we're living in manifest presence, because we go, oh, my shepherd is right here. I have no need. In other words, because you might have need. If you were to concentrate on all the things you've not got, you'd start worrying, wouldn't you? But when the shepherd's right there, you know, whatever I need, whenever I'll need it, it'll be provided. He's got me. He's got me. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Have you noticed sometimes he makes you? Because some of us aren't so good at that. He makes me lie down in green. Sometimes it all falls apart to make you lie down and realize, hey, you're living in omnipresence, not manifest presence. Come back to intimacy with me. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Who needs that this morning? Give me a wave of your hand. Who needs that? I've got my hand in the air. I've had a right old week. My word. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I'll fear no evil. That's a life living with the manifest, working presence of God. Why? For you. You're with me. Moses said, don't send us up from here unless you go with us. But you're with me. I can sense you. You're with me. I can feel your rod and your staff prodding me. Go, go that way. Watch your foot there. Bang, bang, bang. Right? They comfort me. What's the next verse? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Who wants to live that psalm? I do. Well, it, it starts with, shepherd, I want you real, actual, ablaze in my life, not just theoretical. To do that, we've got to know how to take our hearts into the manifest presence of God. Do you know how to take your heart into the manifest presence of God? There's my question this morning. Mature Christians, we should know how to do this, shouldn't we? How to go from, well, he's somewhere to, whoa, he's right here. You can do it. Elisha called for a harpist and suddenly the hand of God came on him. He, he, he was able to change the atmosphere in his home. Bible teaches one of the great ways that we change the atmosphere is that we live as worshippers. Not just on a Sunday, but every day of the week. Because worship causes the fires and the sense of God to stir in our hearts. Just look, have you got Psalm, I don't know, you've got Psalm 100 up there, uh, Hannah, look at that. This, this, this is how you get into God's presence, on your feet. Applaud God. This is the message version, I love this. Bring a gift of laughter. Listen to this. Sing yourselves into his presence. If you could be out of it, then it's obvious he's talking about the manifest presence, because we're always in the omnipresence of God, sing yourself into his presence. Now, who can't sing in this room? Any terrible singers? You sound lovely in heaven, <laughs> right? Bring a gift of laughter. Ha, ha, he, he, ho, ho, hoo, hoo. Ha, 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 ha. He, he. I honestly think this. Silliness is next to spirituality. 
overly intense people who are holy. Oh, get them away from me. I don't need them. Bring a gift of laughter. Lighten up. God's good. He's on the throne. He's your shepherd. You shall not want. Know this. I don't even get this sentence, but God is God and God, God. I don't know who wrote that, but anyway, that's what it says. We'll move on, shall we? He made us. We didn't make him. We're his people. Look at this. His well-tended sheep. I love it. Enter with the password. Thank you. That's your password. You want to enter his manifest presence. Start instead of grumbling and mumbling, start saying thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you that I'm alive. Thank you that I'm in a country where I can worship openly. Thank you that I'm loved by you. Thank you that I'm forgiven. Make yourselves at home talking praise. Thank him. Worship him. For God is sheer beauty. All generous in love, loyal always and ever. Hebrews puts it this way. You don't need to turn to it. I'll just reference it. Hebrews puts it this way. It says that we enter the throne room of God with confidence. Everybody say confidence. Confidence Confidence is extremely powerful. You see, Jesus made a way for us to go right into God's presence, didn't he? Through his cross, he died. He took the punishment of all mankind so that we could come close to God and experience his holy presence. So now it's not that we're dealing with sin. It's that we're dealing with underconfidence in order to enter his presence. So why do we sing our way into his presence? Because have you noticed singing changes how you feel? You know, I was in, I think on Friday, I drove from uh, uh, West Hull villages into the center of Hull nine times. Anybody seen Ferrin's Way lately? I spent about six hours in the car. I decided I had to call it extra singing time. So Zach and I, on the way back from school, turned the praise tape up really loud and just began to yell and sing and thank God that we were alive and it was okay. Because who knows, at six hours in a car, you can just, you know, road rage. I'd be good at that. I think I'd be really good at that. If I let my flesh go, I'd be really good at that one. But instead, I decided, let me sing my way into his presence and make today a good day. There's a certain confidence that brings you into God's presence. Not, not self-confidence, it's, it's realigning your confidence back into him. You know, when most of us are born, we're born with a, can I say, a lean in. A confident lean in in life. What do you want to be when you grow up? An astronaut, a fireman, anything. Do you know what I mean? I'm going to live on Mars. They say whatever they want. But as life goes on, have you noticed your lean in becomes a lean back? Ooh, ow, ee, oh, tired, conflict difficulty, regret, but your lean back keeps you from God's presence. He says, renew your confidence and come before my throne of grace. Get your lean in back. God is for me, not against me. He's on my side. He loves me. I'm precious. I'm going to enter with the password, thank you. Not, ooh, I'm not going to be a sponge. I'm going to be a bow. Shoot arrows of praise into the heavens. Something about leaning in with confidence, saying, right, I'm coming into God's presence. Because something happens when we do that. We begin to experience, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down. Who needs a lie down? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. When we lean into the presence of the shepherd, oh, life gets good again. Here's a little thought. 
as I close, oh, that's the one I want. Brilliant. And it, I, 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 it's, it's been tough lately. I've found some difficult things going on. And look at the top verse there. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I'm going to end with this. I'm going to go back into worship. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. If you're sensing a lot of en- enemy activity, I woke up with this thought I, yesterday morning, I think it was, and I was just going through Psalm 23 in my head. And immediately this came to mind. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And I felt God say, when there's lots of enemies around, it's because I'm laying the table. You're about to feast, so the enemy turns up, just like the flies at a picnic. The food's being placed out, so you're sensing all this buzzing enemy activity. It's Jared, it's because I'm about to give you a feast to go to a new level, a place of glory, blessing on your family, career, upgrade in finances, upgrade in the prophetic, upgrade in spiritual things. If you've been sensing the work of the enemy, I want you to know this morning, God's laying the table for you. That's why. Don't concentrate on what the enemy's doing. Just start to salivate over the goodness of God. He's your shepherd. And he's about to do something incredible. So there's always more enemy activity when he is about to do something incredible. He's laying the table. If you've been sensing enemy activity in your world today, I'm going to, in a moment, Rob, would you come up and start to do something stringy? We'll be like Elisha and the harpist, won't we? Because Elisha was grumpy in the text, so I'm allowed to be grumpy too. And then Rob's going to help me feel all spiritual. Now, everybody just listen for the first notes. Ooh, you feel it? Sounds like a piano then, that was so cool. The harpist does something to our hearts. It puts the thank you back in our spirit. Because you were made to enjoy beauty, but who knows that most of life isn't beautiful. So music and praise and worship puts the love of beauty back in our hearts. You know what it's like. You play that track really loud on a bad day and something gets restored in your soul. 